why is it literally magic to knit something? You know, it's yarn at one point and then it's a sweater. Like it doesn't just jump into being a sweater on its own. I'm not that type of witch yet. Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Hey, Magical Makers. I'm so glad to welcome you to this fun episode. So after my best of episode last week, I thought it's only fair to return the favor and share with you some of Katie's best moments from our 2021 so far. Let's start from the beginning. When in episode two, we were getting to know Katie. The episode is called Katie the Maker. I asked Katie, you know, I was really interested, where did you get the name Light from Lantern? I didn't expect the answer to be just around one aspect of a single tarot card. Can you guess what tarot card that is before we jump into this clip? Well, here's the clip, so you didn't have very much time to guess. Take a listen. Now, I really want to know this. Light from Lantern yes. and Katie Rempe. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the relationship between those two things. What is one. Light from Lantern and who is Katie Rempe? And go. Oh, all right. <laughs> so um, just a brief story of life. I was born. I learned it. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, the name Light from Lantern came from my zodiac sign, which is Virgo. It turns out like a lot of my uh, chart is in Virgo um, and it tends to go around the number nine. And so initially I actually thought of naming the company something along the lines of like Hermit Nine. Um, But as you might suspect, that's rather common. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is that common? And what's with the number nine? Make that connection for us. Ah, yeah. So uh, tarot is sort of my metaphysical jam. Uh, It's where my specialty lies. uh, Yeah, the tarot cards. Yes, but that's where where I got into it. And so the card that represents Virgo is the number nine card, which happens to be the Hermit. It has all of these um, attributes that go along with being a Virgo as well. And so it really rings true for me. You're saying that the Hermit in the tarot deck is somehow affiliated with the astrological sign of Virgo. That's right. I didn't know that. Virgo's the ninth <laughs> sign, so That's we can right. remember it's in September. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm, the ninth yeah. sign, and it's the hermit. Okay, so now this makes sense to me. And so for those not familiar with the tarot cards, what does the hermit card look like? If you were to describe what's in that picture. Typically, it's a singular person or figure, usually like in a desolate area with a staff and a lantern, uh, usually with a six-pointed star within, which signifies wisdom, uh, which you obtain through sort of a self-discovery. So that's the whole card is sort of um, coming back away from everybody to learn more about yourself so that then you can bring it forward to others. Right. The whole like sort of root of the word hermeticism right is going within or in this singular journey of discovering oneself and finding the wisdom or the light that's within exactly yeah uh, 
we could all use a little light with our knitting. So I figured it was kind of like a perfect tie-in really, especially since it, for me, is like a really solitary craft most of the time. So um, it just seemed, it seemed perfect. And while Hermit 9 didn't exactly uh, pan out as a name, I, I re-looked at everything I had sketched and I thought, what's the one thing here that I really resonate with? And it was the lantern. So I knew I wanted the lantern. I scrubbed everything else and just kept staring at it and thought, okay, well, what can I do to rope this all in? It's the light from the lantern. I want to be the one teaching people how to do this pattern, this, you know, whatever the work is um, to teach it forward. So it just was like a perfect fit in the end. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. You know, it's interesting what someone would focus on. Mm -hmm. There's several things, several iconic things that you could focus on in there. The lantern's certainly very prominent, you know, but people could focus on the staff and what yeah. that represents symbolically or the fact that the figure is often shrouded mm -hmm. in a cloak or in a hood, something like that, that the figure is in a desolate sort of or a mountaintop type of environment. Right. Um, those are all images that I've seen on this particular tarot card. So that you picked up on the lantern and about the light. I think mm -hmm. that that's in one way it's like, well, yeah, of course, but in another way it's very awesome. In this clip from episode five on hands, uh, I happen to love that episode. I wonder why Katie drops new perspective on perfection and having received some handmade gifts myself, who hasn't, I'd say this is totally relatable. Check it out. It's, it's about having a certain amount of grace, I think, in finding the mistakes. Now, I I mean, even me, I used to take that kind of stuff very personally. I'm like a lot of Virgo, so perfectionism is like very ingrained in me. Um, and that's been something I've really been working on over the years to let go of a little bit and to enjoy the process more because I was really not enjoying things because I was aiming for an unrealistic perfection. And here's the thing about perfection, Jim, your idea of perfection and my idea of perfection, different. So it's not even a real thing. Right. How can you gauge that? Yeah. So My boyfriend made me an incredible, what would you call it, a poncho? Uh, it's kind of like a wrap, right? It's a wrap. It goes down mm -hmm. below my waist mm -hmm. um, yeah, kind of from poncho. my shoulders. It yeah. has a hood. It's, it's beautiful. Absolutely amazing. What is so great about him is that he's like, yeah, there's a bunch of mistakes in there. Mm. Mm -hmm. I can't tell. I mean, exactly. it is absolutely stunning. Every time I wear this thing in public, mm -hmm. I get comments. It's absolutely a piece that represents love. And that's where the perfection, it is perfect. Because I kind of love the go. karma of the piece. Yes. How it sort of has its own existence. I love that. Perfection is seen not from the person who made it, but from the recipient of the item. Yes. Perhaps? Yeah. I wish, hmm. I wish that is fantastic to say. I'd never thought about it before, hmm. but I do wish that, w that the perfection would be in the eye of the recipient. In episode 15, Katie and I spilled the tea on past clients and shared some of our favorite stories. I love this episode. Go back and listen to the whole thing. But one of my favorite moments came from Katie's reflection 
on which of her jobs required the highest degree of customer service. So if you don't know, here's a little extra tea. We both worked for the same big box outdoor cooperative retailer. And so I thought, oh, was it the folks about to hike their big epic across country outdoor adventure and needing, you know, special, very expensive hiking boots? Why don't you take a listen and find out? I was working at a local yarn store before the big box place. So that was actually, I would say, the most customer service involved job I have ever had, bar none so far. Oh, wait, the uh, yarn store is yes. hard. Well, that was more demanding than yes. the high end. So yep. you're telling me people who are literally about to climb Everest and go yeah. on a like mountain climbing quest were easier customers than classic yes. like i'm gonna knit this shawl yes there was less stress involved in the customers who are about to climb whatever or cross the act or whatever the thing is that they do than people who were afraid of dropping a stitch or had messed up their pattern and didn't know how to fix it the fear in those eyes are still the most fearful <laughs> than these people crossing the country ready to die potentially um, they were more excited than than the knitters typically. Not everyone, but, but I was surprised. in general. Your general yeah. sort of sense. Generally, yes. I'm gonna crochet. I'm gonna I'm gonna crochet this afghan with this acrylic yarn, and I'm more of a stress kitty than yes. hiking the Appalachian Trail. Yes, picking a color to make somebody else's baby blanket more stressful than picking the shoes that are going to get you through like a thousand miles of hiking. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Another episode I really love and a favorite clip is about how Katie gets grounded before beginning a new design and how getting grounded can be extremely beneficial. In episode 19, ritual making plus knitting circles versus witches covens, I asked Katie, what types of rituals she indulges in for these types of situations. Uh, and as a side note, I'm really glad we started making these episode titles shorter. What's the ritual you do? Think about the, what do you do when you're like, I'm getting antsy to knit? Um, you know, a lot of the time the yarn will do the talking for me. Uh, so it's very like, uh, sculptor-esque like i can see what it could become just by looking at the the material oh, sort of a thing so you're doing a little a little yarnomancy yeah there you go i'm defining the project through the hanks of yarn i didn't even realize that yes that's yeah. pretty cool you really are doing some fiber fibromancy yarnomancy yeah oh geez well and then you have to go and Find the uh, right needle to give you the gauge that you're going to want to need. So you might have to play around with that a little bit. It's a, sort of a ritual of beginning a new design. You know, you have to go through the swatching process. Oh, maybe this needle's too big. Maybe that one's too small. It's about finding that magical middle ground, you know. So then you're knitting a little square and maybe several of them to see like which one kind of feels right. Yep. So that's really cool. That's part of your ritual. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Keep going. This is amazing. You really do have a ritual. I do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Keep going. Keep going. Then what happens there? 
uh, once you kind of know what the knitted fabric is going to look like, then the design starts to come from that. Uh, so then I'll start to sketch out things, different designs. I'll maybe do it on a person or just do it flat, some watercolor, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, about... Oh, so you're actually... Oh, sorry to interrupt. So you're actually drawing or, or like doing a little art piece or doing a little drawing, even yeah. with some watercolor. Yeah. And you're sort of like imagining how it might lay how it might sort of wrap around yep. and sort of having some different, and maybe you do a few of those. Like I wanted to go here. I want it to be this long. I want it mm-hmm. to go here like a real fashion designer. Yeah. It's almost like I've had practice with this before. It's yeah. almost like you have your degree in fashion design or something. Imagine that. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> used to making like cohesive lines of things and actually it has been very helpful. I must say one of the more helpful things I learned in school, because one idea, maybe it doesn't work out for the thing I'm trying to do at that time, but maybe later it could jump off to being something else. So it's never right. a wasted opportunity, all these little ritualistic things. So, wow. Okay. So then you kind of settle on, I think I know what I'm doing. Yep. I'm and making this a basic vision. <laughs> I, I think I'm knitting this ball gown. Yeah. I think I've, exactly. I'm on it. I'm just yeah, kidding. You know, <laughs> this three-year project yes exactly Mm -hmm. uh yep and then from there you cast on and sometimes it works out perfectly the first time as you you know knit it and write down as you go and sometimes you start and you realize oh no (laughs) that doesn't work and you have to take it out and start it again so yeah but you learn and you redo and it's always better after you do that so that's pretty cool. So that's the ritual you have when you're actually designing a project from scratch or some iteration mm-hmm. and some experimentation that's there. When you're doing something from a pattern that already exists or you're doing something again, yeah. like you knit several of those cozies mm-hmm. for people, right, over the summer, and you're doing something from a pattern that already is there, is that ritual similar? Like you don't have to draw that out again. What's the ritual for something that's already like in the bag? You already know how to do it. Uh, I always review the pattern, especially if it's not mine, <laughs> because okay. I have a bad habit of assuming the directions. <laughs> like help, raise your hand if you're that person. I'm that totally assuming directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so that's a great. It, but that is not necessarily how other designers are making it. And I have been burned on that many times. <laughs> like, are you saying it matters? It might matter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you want it to come out a certain way, it might yeah. matter. <laughs> when I asked Katie to research non-literal appearances of pentagrams, I didn't expect it to lead to the topic of city planning. Turns out this powerful talisman is being utilized in all sorts of magical ways. As Katie reveals in this clip from episode 21, Wham Bam Pentagrams, a much shorter title. <laughs> Check it out. But where does it show figuratively? What did you find? Well, um, I mean, not to like get away from the literal, but sort of in a figurative aspect, I also realized, and I should have realized this like way sooner, one of the uh, columns from the High Priestess card is also represented of, you know, like the pentacle and the physical world and everything. It's a card with even more deeper meaning than I even originally anticipated. Wow. So, But more, more figuratively outside of the magical realm, but still within the magical realm, um, I found that there's like tons of of city planning all over the world, including New York City, Washington, D.C., and obviously like places like Egypt, where uh, if you look at certain buildings, 
they are in the shape of a pentagram. I mean, if you think the Pentagon, right, is part of a pentagram. So it's really ironic. <laughs> if anyone's interested in doing a Google search down a rabbit hole there, I okay. recommend it. <laughs> I never thought about this until right now, which is like, how ridiculous is it? The Pentagon is invested in like protecting the country mm -hmm. and it is in the shape of the inside of a protective. Anyway, that's really funny mm -hmm. and interesting. Don't think that people aren't, they know more than we're led on to believe. The Illuminati is going to call me now. <laughs> I know, right? Now they'll come <laughs> after me first. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. Katie and I were lucky enough to team up with Makers Mercantile to offer magical merchandise featuring knit a spell. Magical makers can now enjoy a zipper notions pouch and a large drawstring bag while working away on their craft of choice and enjoying their favorite podcast, our podcast, knit a spell, the one you're listening to. <laughs> Speaking of project bag, Katie talks about the design process behind our magical sigil which graces our bag in this next clip from episode 23, Knit a Spell Gets Magical Merch. So yes. let's talk about the sigil that you created okay. for the project bag. What was that process like? What was your first, first of all, what was your intent? I wanted to know really what, what did our logo or what did our name Knit a Spell what would that be as a sigil? And what is like the underlying meaning in it? So I, I explored several different sigil making uh, areas. And the one I ultimately ended up going with was one that suggested um, canceling out any letters that were repeating. So that's why I did knit a spell and then cancel out any letters that repeat through there. Um, and then seeing which number goes to each one, breaking it out from one to nine. So like A would be one, B would be two, up to nine, and then you would go back and then repeat. Yeah. Right. Um, so using that... <laughs> I found out that if you were to add up the letters that were left in the numbers altogether, it would reduce down to two. So two in numerology is all about um, balance and uh, intuition, especially uh, with like the tarot cards. My first thing was, oh, well, that's the high priestess card. So, you know, that one is a great one to have on your side, <laughs> especially since her whole deal is sort of helping from afar so like again that sort of like tap on your shoulder that itch in your head like something's not quite right so i was like that's perfect for a project bag <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i've decided to not trust my knit tuition and then like two days later been like well now i'm pulling back to that place where i knew something <laughs> was wrong so it was very handy that this ultimately ended up as a two so i thought okay how can I make this as a pleasing sigil? So I sort of explored another method that was um, the magic square, sort of like a Sudoku box. So you have, it's a three by three and you would put numbers one through nine in there in a certain way. So the numbers in it is spell were very specific. I ended up uh, reducing down, like I said, a couple of the letters. And what I was left with was six letters that I had to put in this three by three box with the numbers. So what you do is, or what I did, is you draw a circle on the first number. And in this case, it was a two. 
So I have a circle on the two area, and then you would go to the next number, which happened to be a five, and it's somewhere over here, right? So you do the circle, then you draw a line to the next number, and then you keep doing that to each next number uh, until you get to the final one where you do a line that closes it off. And then you sort of zoom out and look, what does this look like as just a squiggle, you know, without the box behind it? And from there, you can sort of finesse the shape, still hitting the numbers in certain ways, but maybe you don't want it to go straight over here. Maybe you want it to arc kind of around. Um, and that's how I ultimately <laughs> designed our sigil, which is almost sort of like a P or like a backwards nine, which I liked. So that oh, that's really cool. So by tracing or creating an, a series of arcs that hit the numbers in the mm -hmm. box, mm -hmm. you created a sigil. That is a very cool technique. I hadn't heard of that before. So it ends up being like the path your pen takes on the mm -hmm. paper, on the page, follow jumping from the numbers that you've reduced the name down to. Yes. Okay. Once In again, one contiguous line. Right. Yes. So this is two layers deep of yeah. you have the knit a spell and then you go a, a layer deep and you remove all of the identification to make it into the number. We remove identification to remove some of the repeating letters. Mm -hmm. Then you remove the identification of the letters themselves to numbers. Then you remove even the numbers and you make it a squiggle, yeah. right? So you're three layers deep in getting away from being able to read it as knit a spell. And why do that? It still carries the energy of, you know, the, the work that you're doing, mm -hmm. but it makes it completely subconscious. So what is that sigil designed to do for people? So it's on the bag. What's its, mm -hmm. what's its purpose? So it's really to help, like I said, offer a layer of support really to the knitter or maker and trust your gut. Anything that's in the bag, trust your gut on it. If something feels off, you will know. And it will give you also the opportunity to hone in to knowing that feeling within you. It's easy to ignore. But once you realize, oh, oh, I did see that sign, um, like two, 14 rows ago, whatever, it, it gets easier over time to see that. So yeah, that, that's the intent. Katie and I often reflect on how topics we choose for episodes of Knit a Spell seem to stalk us afterwards. I had one such experience when I realized a cat sticker on our front door was in the shape of a Celtic knot. Another example comes from episode 24, Celtic Knots and Cables, where Katie reflects on how our episode about the Ouroboros stalked her by showing up in one of our favorite TV shows. Take a listen. Now, it's funny, I've actually noticed that in several of our episodes that things that we talk about, like the sun and moon and the Ouroboros, uh, will suddenly pop up in all sorts of unexpected places, including, brief side tangent, if anybody is a fan of the TV show What We Do in the Shadows, their newest episode where they go to the casino has a shot where Nandor is learning about the Big Bang Theory, and he explains what he knew about how everything worked, being um, the world sitting on top of uh, four elephants sitting on top of a turtle that everything went around on, which is exactly what we talked about in our last episode. So, so funny, it, right? I was like, what is happening? But what's the <laughs> turtle standing on? <clears throat> more elephants, four more noble elephants. What are they standing on? 
Nothing. You know what I say? <laughs> it's from a book. Oh, and then inside the snake. Yes. It's so. turtles. It's just turtles all the way. It's just turtles, turtles all the way. I have really enjoyed sharing some of my favorite Katie moments from Knit a Spell with you all. Join us next week when Katie is back and presents some of our best of guests moments from 2021 so far. I already know which one she's going to pick. Oh my gosh, we've had some awesome guests. So until next week, don't forget to follow me, James Devine, on Instagram at Divine Hand Gym or via my newsletter located on my website, thedivinehand.com. Katie, I know you missed her this week. She'll be back next week. Can be found knitting away on Instagram at Light From Lantern and on her newsletter, which is awesome, by the way. Totally subscribe on her website, lightfromlantern.com. See you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes of Knit a Spell are conjured every Wednesday. Learn more at knitaspell.com and follow our Instagram page at knitaspell. If you have a quick second to support the show, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or share this with a friend. Jim and I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next week.